Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Heart of Sports with Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen. We are thrilled to join you on 610 ESPN, ready to help you move into the weekend talking about all the news in the world of sports. If you want to join in on the fun, you can give us a call at 888-728-9941. Jeff, before we get to the, the fun with basketball, we've got guests, we've got lots to talk about. You slept outside last night in that weather to raise awareness about homelessness. I can't feel my toes still. So um, it was it was something, you know, a couple weeks ago we had Dan Esposito on and we had uh, the executive director of the Covenant House, John Dukoff. And it, it was it was pretty amazing that we slept outside to raise awareness for youth homelessness and along with about 100 other people. And it couldn't have picked a worse night, but people kept asking, are we going to cancel? Well, kids who are homeless don't have a choice. Yeah, that it's was not, the whole point of you guys doing yeah, it. Is. So, so it, it was, it's an experience meeting those kids and seeing how they just need a chance was amazing. And going through that experience and, and, and understanding that I get to go home and take a hot shower. They don't, they have to find some place to sleep next year. I mean, next, the next day. And, and I think that people should experience those kinds of things. And I think we'd all be a better society. And it, to me, it's just an, it was our chance to do what we try to talk about on the show, which is how athletes and teams can benefit their community. And you got to raise some money while raising awareness for yeah, and, homeless and, youth. And if people still want to give, they can go to our, our page and they can still click on and they can still give. Well, I, uh, I admire what you did. Uh, we will also put up the pictures that they got of you in front of your cardboard box sleeping out. Uh, it's, it's why we do the show and we, we talked about with Dan Esposito and the NFL Alumni Association for Philadelphia, the platform that athletes have to raise, raise awareness. So good on you for doing it. And uh, let's move into basketball a little bit. We have on the phone with us Ala Abdul Nabi, Sixers broadcaster, former NBA player. Jeff wants me to know Duke grad. He's wondering if uh, with Elton Brand and JJ Redick, you guys are starting a little satellite campus over there. <laughs> well, I listen, I think that there's certainly um, a leaning towards it, but I just think the program has been around for so long and played at such a high level. And to do that, you need a number of individuals. And now those individuals are grown up and they still want to live in the world of basketball. So you see a lot of them as you uh, kind of go across the NBA landscape, whether it's coaches, assistant coaches, uh, I'm going to see uh, the the head coach version of that tonight in Quinn Snyder, my former teammate. But like I said, Duke guys in the NBA, we come in all shapes and sizes. Like you said, in addition to Quinn Snyder, you have Tommy Amaker and Jeff Capel and Bobby Hurley and Johnny Dawkins. You can go on and on with the number of people that have had good NBA careers and gone on to, like you have, onto the broadcast side and others that have gone on to the coaching side. Is this something that Coach K uh, talks to you guys about and encourages you guys to do and helps you guys with as your careers uh, move to the later part of their career in playing to find something else? Um, I could say that he, he, might, he might have in other people's cases. He didn't with me only because I didn't ask. Um, I, I didn't need the help at that point because um, – I was kind of dipping my toe into a number of different things and was fortunate enough to be able to stumble across um, a couple of things I liked, which is rare. And I know how lucky I am um, in doing that after playing basketball, after having a career, because I know a lot of guys struggle. Um, but I'm sure I've heard stories of him helping other good, the dudes making phone calls, for instance, 
given advice. I mean, he still gives us advice. And um, I can tell you that whether it's just hooking you up with another guy that uh, might help you out a little bit more in whatever your chosen path is, uh, Coach K knows a lot of people. So to be able to um, interconnect and use him as a source is uh, it's one of the best parts of it, but uh, it's, you know, for me, I, I still just like the guy um, as an individual. I like being around him. Well, we enjoy you in this role of your life as a broadcaster. I turned on the TV Wednesday night to see you talking about the excitement around the team after the trade. Obviously, for our listeners who've been living under a rock this week, uh, the, the Sixers <laughs> traded Dario Saric and Robert Covington and Jared Bellis in a second-round pick for Jimmy Butler and Justin Batten. What was it like Wednesday night uh, there with the team, and what are your thoughts on the move that was made? Well, I think we'll, I'll answer the second one first, and then we'll go. We'll move on to the mood. But I think the trade, uh, as all trades, um, have has you know, especially when you add a guy of his caliber, it, it, there's a lot of potential there, and that's why you make the trade. Um, but you just don't know. If we're we're human beings, you know. We're not robots. So on paper, things look one way, and then when you translate them out onto the floor, it can turn into another thing. And I'm not being pessimistic. What I'm doing is I'm just tempering my expectations especially early on um because he's still got a mesh in uh to you know to a unit that's basically played together for a little bit more than a year um when you add jj reddick to it especially with ben and joel um sure we've got some new additions but there's a lot of holdovers from last year too so i think that's the that's the uh the the objective and the mood i think it was fun in that building last night you know you don't get that kind of fun especially a Philadelphia-Orlando game at Orlando <laughs> in November. You don't get that kind of electricity normally for a game such as that. So it was kind of fun to be a part of that. But uh, for us, it's just a matter of observing and then kind of hopefully passing on what we're seeing, especially in regards to the game. But beforehand, sure, it was electric in that building as much as a half-filled Orlando arena can be, an Amway <laughs> Center can be. I got a friend who uh, you lives. You know what I mean? I got a friend who lives in Orlando. Who's from Philly. He's like, I'm gonna go down. Jimmy Butler's line. I'm like, all right, you do that. You'll be the only one there. <laughs> go for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not hard. It's not hard, unfortunately. But uh, I'm looking forward. I just pulled into the parking lot. I'm actually looking at the Wells Fargo Center as I speak to you guys now, and it, it's exciting. Um, I'm ready to go in the building and get going. Well, don't leave us just yet. Jeff's got more questions. <laughs> no, no, no. I know <laughs> well, okay, so now, now the other day you experienced the half-full arena. Tonight there won't be an empty seat. What are you expecting from this crowd when when Jimmy Butler comes out of the uh, tunnel? Um, to do what they always do, to, to go over the top and be great at what they do as far as rooting you on. You know what I mean? As far as it, expressing how they feel you know if they love you they're going to let you know and if they don't they're going to let you know um but i think right now it's going to be all love because again we talk about the potential um and potential brings along excitement you think about the possibilities however you know some of them may be unrealistic but you think about all of those things and that's what makes it fun and Jimmy Butler allows you to think about more possibilities. <laughs> That's what's cool about it. And with Jimmy here, obviously, we saw a new starting lineup on Wednesday night. Markel to the bench. Uh, you know, J.J. Redick in the starting line- lineup with Landry Shamit, with Jimmy and-, and Ben, and then Joel Embiid. What were your thoughts on that starting lineup and the rotation as you see it right now for the team? Obviously, you know, still 
potentially maybe acquire another player, according to Elton Brand. But what do you see right now in terms of the makeup of the team? Well, I just remember thinking when I saw that lineup in Orlando go out to center court, it's like, hmm, how many more of these versions are we going to see? Because that's not the lineup you're going to see in April. Um, so it, it, I'm just, you know, that, that's, I'm, I'm, I'm a realist. I've been around the league for a number of years, whether it's playing or watching. And um, you mentioned it too. You touched on what Elton said. This is this seems a work in progress still. But you like a GM like Elton Brand, who's at least seeing what the team needs um, to compete in the East first and then, you know, potentially in the West afterwards. But you got to get out of the East. So we're talking about Toronto. We're talking about Boston. Um, you know, and I, I, there's there's no reason why um, if we acquire a couple other people that the Sixers can't be rolling by the end of April. That's the goal, um, because right now, you know, it, there's still a few miss, missing pieces. Um, and then when you start adding that in, how do you consider the bench, too? So um, there's still, like I said, there's going to be a lot more moves, as I'm glad Elton was able to touch on, because it's kind of obvious. You, t- you talked about how the players uh, mesh on the court. One of the things that with Jimmy Butler is Jimmy Butler is, is a type A personality. <clears throat> how, is, how is he going to fit into this group of personalities? Well, I mean, it's no different than, you know, from a personality standpoint. Um, what Golden State's doing, um, you know, you just got to make sure that those personalities are willing to conform to the team because it's never is it going to be about any one of those individuals. It's going to be about the betterment of the, of the, of the whole. And when, when you buy into it, like you see the warriors do on a nightly basis and a yearly basis, uh, you, you look at their faces and they're having fun. Um, so when you start arguing about, I want to be the lead dog and I want to be this and I want to be that, that only causes problems. You just got to make sure that listen, respect each other's game um, and try to make each other better. It's not always just about you. Um, because if you, you know, if you want to do that, you should go play golf or tennis. Those are individual <laughs> sports. As great as this move has been, Dario Saric was, was kind of a fan favorite here, and, and Robert Covington was really good. Uh, are they, are they going to miss those guys, or, or do they have, in addition to Jimmy Butler, the guys behind them that are going to be able to fill in to those spaces? Well, I would say you would, first off, you're going to miss Robert's defense, but Jimmy's an all-defensive elite player too. So I think it, that kind of is a push. Um, Dario struggled early, but then was just starting to find his shot. Uh, and I think when he's playing well, he gives you a number of different things, not just the jump shot. He offensive rebounds. He runs the floor when he can. He's a good passer, so the offense can go through him. Um, Minnesota got themselves two good players, three because um, I want to count Jared in there too. So, uh, with the with the lineup right now, it seems like the the adjustment with with Jimmy and Joel will be a little bit easier with the pick and roll. Maybe JJ as well. Uh, can you talk about what Ben's role is going to be? Obviously, Ben dominates the ball. Do you think he'll be a little more willing to to take that jump shot when he's open at this point, so that they don't fall back on the defense there? Uh, I don't. I don't think he's shown that he's going to take that jump shot yet. I think it's still a work in progress. Um, but again, I, I haven't spoken to him about it, and I, I am not a soothsayer. But I do go back on like past history, especially recent history, and that has shown that he, the, you know, the answer would be no to that. You know, he's going to have to. But listen, Ben doesn't dominate the ball unless it's in transition. 
in the half-court set, the ball's moving. So if he initiates it or anyone else initiates it, that's not really an issue. Because sometimes we've seen Ben in the half-court set go down and post up and let someone else start it. So what Ben does is in transition, and I don't think um, that's going to be an issue at all. Because especially if he's like you know the, the, the rebounder, what are you going to do, tell him to slow it down? No, Ben is going to push it, and you encourage Ben to push it. Um, but I think Ben, like rookie quarterbacks, is still going to is still learning how to read things out there, especially at a high speed. And once the game slows down for him, he's going to be good. So uh, one one more on you know Markel going to the bench. Then you saw reports coming out this week that he's no longer working with his shooting coach. Um, you know, it's when he comes in, he seems to bring a little excitement. He's taken the team on on some runs in the third quarter, going into the fourth earlier. What's the state of Markel right now as he's coming off the bench? Well, I hope it's positive. Um, you know, I thought he played well coming off the bench. You didn't see him really sulk the other night. I thought he took um, coming off the bench in stride, which is a good thing because uh, when you get Jimmy Butler and J.J. Redick in there, it's hard to, you know, it's hard to just say, hey, put me in. I want their minutes too. So uh, I think he has to remain confident and have his confidence grow. And I like his chances in the second unit of having more chances to be himself, to be able to run the point guard position, to be able to have the ball in his hand and feel more comfortable. He's not an off-the-ball, breaking, breaking, coming through screens and fighting through picks to get shots. He's used to having the ball in his hand. So I think the more he can be closer to himself um, as a basketball player, I think the better chance he – He's going to have a grown as a, as a, as the as the player. I think all Sixers fans want, or at least come close to that, because the right. expectation level for that poor young man is pretty high. All right, we, we we would be remiss if we didn't ask you one more Duke question, which is: Is this Duke team going to lose this year? <laughs> oh yeah, come on, they're going to lose. They're going to lose. Uh, There's a Michigan guy, Allah. Yeah. This is a Michigan guy asking you that question right now, so it hurts him well, I, even I, to I, spit those words listen. out to you. Terry Mills was on last week. He said they're going to lose. I hope it. I hope it. Yeah, I hope it makes you feel better that Dukey's telling you they're going to lose. I mean, (laughs) listen, these are kids that are going to go into places that they've never been before. And I remember what the heck I was thinking when I was a freshman, and it was it was not all positive. (laughs) Um, So you know they're going to go into Little John. They're going to go into John Paul Jones at UVA. They're going to go to these places. That, Dean Dome, is, that's a cupcake. There's always quiet in there. That's not because it's Carolina. No, no, no. It's not because it's Carolina. No, no, no. It's not because it's Carolina. If State had that place, State happens to be loud. If State had that place, I would say the same thing. Carolina is, you know, that's the pieces and cream front row seats over there. They don't, they don't get mad. They don't get up off their seats. See, that's what a rivalry is like. <laughs> well, Allah, we really appreciate it. It's only been 28 years, right, or whatever it is. It never goes it away. It never goes away. We uh, we really appreciate no. you taking some time to join us. We're going to let you run into the arena, and we will look for you on TV tonight. Jeff will be down there cheering loudly. And uh, thanks so much for giving us a little Excellent. time and coming on today. Appreciate it, man. This is going to be a fun night tonight. Tune in. Have a great one. Jeff, thanks. Jeff, you'll be down there? I will. If you could stay awake. Yeah, if I could stay awake. This I, is. Uh, I have fallen asleep in a concert, which my son can attest to. So, um, it, it would it the Sixers shouldn't take it personally. I, <laughs> it's not I'm about on the, no sleep. It's not about yeah, the team. Exactly, it's more. Right. It, it's you, not me, type thing. Exactly, or it's me, not yeah. you. Um, your thoughts on some of his analysis on on what he thinks on the state of the team. Uh, I agree with him that I don't think Ben Simmons is going to shoot yet. 
But I think that him finding his role with Butler on the court, obviously he's going to dominate the ball coming, bringing it up. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be slower to come around. Like I said, I think Jimmy Butler can run a pick and roll with Joel Embiid like it's nobody's business. But I think figuring out how the three of them space each other out on the court with everybody else is going to be something that takes a little time. Hollis seems like he would be a really good coach. Like he seems to have the patience that that a fan wouldn't that, that have. You, that you don't have? <laughs> well, no, I, I have. No, you have patience that the rest. Actually, I want to say something about yeah. this this week. So Wednesday night they played and they lost to Orlando. Mm-hmm. And you would have thought we should have blown up the team on Thursday based on some of the talk from people. Right. The, it just, the over, I enjoy. It takes time. I mean. I can't you, decide if I enjoy the overreaction or not sometimes. I don't. But because because things take time. You can't ask for a guy to come in. It's not like, it, basketball is not just five guys running around on their own and just shooting when they get the ball. There's offensive sets there's defensive sets it, it takes time and if you it, you don't have to go back that far if you go to the Miami Heat they had Dwayne Wade in his prime Chris Bosh in his prime LeBron James in his prime and they didn't win right away it, it, it you got to give time guys time to learn I mean when you see a no look pass it's a no look pass with confidence right yes so you you need to develop that kind of rapport with your teammates the problem, the only thing that I that I had a question about that Allah said was this that they're the big dog thing, because Jimmy Butler is the big dog. He's got the big personality. He's a guy who had to work to get to where he is, and and at least in his mind, the way he's put it is he didn't have the talent as some of, as some of these number one players, and we have. Joel, who clearly is a big dog, alpha personality the same way. And sometimes that doesn't mesh. And I am a little bit worried about Jimmy Butler was hard. The reason that he's not in Minnesota. He was hard on Carl Anthony Towns and he and was Wiggins, hard on Wiggins. Saying that they well, that's were, why people wonder how he's going to mesh with Fultz and his You just took the words challenges. out of my mouth. Is, is you know We've all kind of coddled. Markel, he gets the ball and everybody claps and makes sure encourages. You don't think him Jimmy's going to gonna be on the court clapping for him? I shoot? think he will at first. Jimmy's going to be clapping for him to pass the ball. <laughs> I think I think he will, but I think behind the scenes he's going to be tough on him. And the question is, can he take it? Does he make himself better? Right. Or does he take it in as um, I'm not good enough? The the, the way that, at least what I've seen in the inner workings in practice and stuff is they kind of coddle him. And the question is, is Jimmy? Butler coming in and maybe giving a little bit of tough love, will that hurt him or will that break him? I have one question that has nothing to do with the basketball on the court. So this trade was made on the weekend. Yeah. They're a billion-dollar industry. Can nobody send an email or a fax to finalize a trade that we had to wait till Wednesday to see this guy in the well, lineup? Well, you can send in the fax, but there's nobody there to receive it. I mean, Monday. come on, for real? <laughs> Is there, am I wrong? Why does it take four days to get the guy in the you lineup? You can sign a document on your iPhone, you know. Yes, I'm yeah, a, I'm aware. Right. You can basically do anything. But to on be your fair, iPhone. though, it, it it isn't just that. Well, they it, had to do the physicals, physicals, and I get it. So but that's it. I but, understand. But they but, have doctors on staff. It's not they get all of the reports if they want to do their own physical, take whatever X-rays they want to take. They can still do that. But if if it's because you're worried that they lost a game because of it, uh, that doesn't bother me 
I just they thought, should move I a little quicker. It, was it did seem because the trade was when it was Friday it was night. Friday night. Yeah, and it he, was done. And he didn't get to play till Wednesday, Wednesday. and they, they, so that was the third was game, I think. Yeah, it was yeah. the third game for the team. Uh, before and, we, and, and keep in mind, they were shorthanded that's, as a result. That's what I'm that's saying. They what played was crazy. because then you don't have the players you traded along with the new players that you got. Yes. So you're significantly shorthanded. So actually, they were basically playing did, with nine. It goes in with our regiment show. They yeah. they had their two way players. Were needed, mm-hmm. you know. Jake Milton and Demetrius Jackson needed to be on the bench in case something happened. The thing is, though, they need. You say they needed to be in the bench. As far as I'm concerned, they needed to be in the, in the game. game. Yeah, well, I and, and, and I and I don't. That part I don't understand. It, it's something that you have these two way players. They need to get experience. They can get experience in that situation, and it doesn't harm the team. Maybe you can ask when we're down at Wells Fargo Center Tuesday night for our live regiment before the Blue Coats play their game at the Wells Fargo Center. Yeah. What, what time do you want can, me to ask? What time can people find us for our show on Tuesday 6:30, night? Six thirty, leading into the seven p.m. game down. And as much as we want you to listen to our pregame, we'd rather have you in the building, right? And you should go because you can get a Joel Embiid bobblehead doll. Bobble Joe. Bobble Joe. Bobble Joe's appearing all over the city now. You you can you can go get that. But you should go down to the game. If you don't go down down to the game, you should catch it here on 610 ESPN. Yep. Jeff, let's move on to baseball a little bit before the break. On the human yeah, side. Because the weather from yesterday encourages baseball. Baseball weather. Yes. On the human side, uh, Gabe Kapler's home in California was destroyed in that's those ter- fires. That's terrible. I mean, you're, I mean, you're a man who literally slept out for homelessness last night, and this, this guy's lost all of his stuff so yeah. you know you gotta give a, a shout out to the manager on that one and to well, all those all people those with people. those fires are terrible if i can just talk for 30 seconds Soapbox here um, jeff yeah we went to idaho this summer which seems like an odd place to go but it, it, first of all it's beautiful out there but we we took the time to go to see a group called the smoke jumpers mm-hmm. which are the guys that literally jump out of planes into the middle of a forest fire to kind of corral the fire. Those guys are amazing. They get paid virtually nothing to do it. And and they're some of the bravest people that I've met. I mean, th- these guys have, there's no saying no. They, will, they are diving in to a forest fire, not for a couple hours. They could be stuck in there for weeks. Weeks, yeah. So they carry 100 pounds you know, of stuff. The, in. All those workers out there trying to save yeah. homes and people out there, good on you. Just wanted to... Mention that, not the news you want to see, and, and there's no easy transition to the slow start of free agency, but let's try to, to make it. Um, there's a story in the USA Today titled, Phillies will spend big bucks in free agency, maybe even if it's a little stupid about it. Jeff, your thoughts? <laughs> uh, my thought is, I want stupid money, okay? Some, somebody give me stupid the, money. The quotes yeah. come from John Middleton, majority <laughs> owner, who said to USA Today, we're going going in expecting to spend money. Maybe even a little bit stupid about it. We just prefer not to be completely stupid. But he went on and he said, you know, we don't just how, have... How are you, can you be partially stupid? You could ask some people <laughs> if I'm partially stupid and they might give you answers on that, Jeff. Ooh, don't, I you, can, I can, I, <laughs> don't you worry. I'm sure that somebody can give you an answer yeah. there. But he said it's it's not like we, we need a left-handed relief pitcher in the eighth inning. We've got lots of ways to improve the well, ball club. Actually, they do. Starting pitching, bullpen, yeah. in the field, at the plate. So basically, he gave you no answers on who they're going to take, but he said they're going to spend a lot of money maybe in dumb ways, stupid ways. I don't think they're going to do that. I think that was just his way of saying, hey, people, we're going to go out and we're going to do what we need to do. It seems like Andy McPhail, you see the stories that he keeps reminding him that there is a free agent class outside of this year. Mm -hmm. uh, And the team kind of keeps going back and forth on how big of a splash they really want to make. 
who, you know, obviously the names Machado, Harper, we know where you stand on trading the whole team Trout's for Mike not, Trout. Trout is not far from free agency. Okay. Uh, no, well, you, you've made that argument many weeks in a row, No, Jeff. no, but there's there's a reason I say Back it. Back again. <laughs> there's a reason I say it that that just like you're saying that there are years outside of this year is if you, if you make the wrong move, if you sign Bryce Harper to $300 million, which I wouldn't do, but if you sign him, you may create a situation where you can't sign a Mike Trout when he is available. Well, you, you talk about payroll. Let's just look at the numbers as they stand. Right now, the Phillies have $68.9 million committed on the books for 2019. That figure drops to $50.68 million in 2020 and plummets to $15.1 million committed in 2021. How many players did they have just a couple <laughs> years ago that each one of them was making over $15 million? It gives them a lot of flexibility right. to really change the roster. And the talk lately is, are they going to move Carlos Santana? I mean, that seems to be a conversation that, I mean, I wouldn't mind, but it seems like they're, they're Am having... Am I smiling? You are. People can't see that on the radio, but you are. I, I know, but when he, when they signed him, I said... What are you going to do with Reese Hoskins? And now they're back to now we got to get rid of him if so we can put Reese Hoskins to you, Jeff. No, it, it Reese Hoskins moving to the as as much as he's a team player and shows he's a leader by being willing willing to do that. If you look at his advanced metrics, he has one of the worst defensive percentages in the last decade. Well, you didn't in like left it. Field. You didn't like it to start, right? There's no question about that. But I, I never understood what the the Phillies' plan because most teams that use advanced metrics talk about defense, and this team's defense was horrible this past year. Horrible is is generous yeah. as a, as a way to say it. Uh huh. Um, let's let's before we hit the break, let's do some college football real fast. Yeah. Um, you were there last week for the Michigan Rutgers game. Will they be able to overcome that excitement of the win over Rutgers uh, to you know what? play football this week? Or are you going to have a letdown no, against Indiana? Uh, what, I, what I'm going to tell you is shame on you. For, 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 are you going to blame me for the Rutgers fan section now? It was it was. I've never seen anything like that. I've been to my son's high school football team games, and it wasn't that bad. Have you seen the I, team? I got to the Rutgers game and I counted the number of students in the student section. I'm aware you texted me with a picture. 58. I'm well aware. There were 58 students in the student section. Thank you. I'm glad that you could count and that you were able <laughs> to, to put that out there. Um, kind of the, the top four this week, not really m much in terms of the way of a lot going on. Uh, Alabama well, probably won't have a huge challenge from the Citadel. No. You, you don't think that's going to happen? No. Clemson's got Duke. Explain to me why Nick Saban is going to play Tua in that game. Run up the score. Come on. I, look, I wouldn't play him. I'd get some experience for my young guy. Yeah. But the game that you're going to want to watch is Syracuse against Notre Dame at Yankee Stadium. That'll be a fun atmosphere. Probably the, the most interesting game. See what Notre Dame does still. It's the it's the game that means most. Not not only because it's it's the best game as far as a three against the twelve. But it changes the entire landscape of the college football playoff if Syrac if Notre Dame loses. It does. 
So as a Michigan man, are you rooting for a loss? or I mean, you got to be rooting for well, a win because they're your only loss of the season. So you want them to stay good no. so that your loss no, is... No. no, you just can't no, root for Notre Dame. you're rooting against Ohio State and You're Notre Dame. just a Michigan any t- guy. Anytime you, you get a chance. It's like Allah on there on the radio <laughs> with yeah, the Michigan right. fan. You guys, North Carolina. You guys get it right away. Let's go on the local side. We'll see if Rutgers can recover from that tough game against Michigan and all, right. all the other games en- this week against Penn Rutgers State. Stuff. Villanova's got Delaware, and then Temple's going to play USF. Temple, yeah. big win last week against uh, Houston. They put up 59 points, became bowl eligible at 6-4, and four, still in second place in the AAC. Mm-hmm. Jeff Jeff Collins has it going there still. I think he's done a really good... I just think he's done a great job with the program, and I think that this team has recovered from a, a tough, slow start. And I think now they're going to be bowl eligible, and they're going to get into a decent bowl. Well, it's going to and be, it continues to build. It's going to be senior day down there for them, so probably a lot of emotion. Mm-hmm. It should be a should be a good time for that team. They've they've really earned it and played hard after a tough start to the season. So it'll be. So who's UCF playing this week to go on with their continued run? Uh, they're playing Cincinnati. That's one of only two other besides Notre Dame and Syracuse. The only right. other games where you have matchups of ranked teams are UCF playing Cincinnati and Texas playing Iowa State. So they're on other, their way to another participation trophy in a <laughs> fake national championship? You're so against that. You really don't like it. You, you haven't moved on since last year. Are I they, they going to make back-to-back banners too? I'll, I'll let you call down and check. Why don't we head to a break <laughs> when we come back? We'll have uh, Eagles insider Dave Spadero here to talk a little birds with us. Stick with us. Are you looking for a lifeline? Verizon New Jersey Shares Communication Lifeline is a statewide nonprofit that provides assistance to individuals and families living in New Jersey, those who are in need of temporary help in paying their communication and energy bills. Want to know how to apply? All you need to do is call Verizon New Jersey Shares at 1-888-337-3339 or visit on the web at www.newjerseyshares.org. It's quick and easy to sign up, but remember, you must be a Verizon residential landline customer to apply for eligible programs. That's Verizon New Jersey Shares, keeping the lines of communication open for you and your family. Taking you into the weekend with the latest news in the world of sports. With the biggest names on and off the field. It's the Heart of Sports each and every Friday at 4 p.m. on 610 ESPN. With former players, reporters, and commentators like Adam Schefter, John Runyon, Keith Jones, Trey Thomas, and Doug Glanville, Jason Springer and Jeff Cohen cover the agony and ecstasy of fandom while weaving in conversations about the impact of sports on society. That's the Heart of Sports, Fridays at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the Heart of Sports on 610 ESPN. I'm Jason Springer here in studio with Jeff Cohen, and we are joined also by Eagles insider Dave Spadaro. Hello, boys. Thanks so much for coming back and joining us. My pleasure. I wish I could come here under more optimistic and pleasant circumstances, but those are the breaks of the game. Well, we will get into that. Well, you had to drive on the Schuylkill. Yeah, exactly. So it's never no, that. No, I, I, yes, I did. I did. It's true. <laughs> so it's never easy. It's it never maybe. easy when right. you have to do that, and you're you're about to leave tomorrow for New <clears throat> yes, Orleans. Yes. So let's talk before we go back. Let's go forward a little bit. Sure. Let's talk a little. What's the mood this week down at the facility? Uh, you know, tough loss last week. Not what they wanted. I mean, I, I would say there's frustration. I would say that there's a little bit of PO'dness, but you know, to me that doesn't mean anything because you should be feeling that every week and. You should be feeling that level of just um, when you play football, you know, a lot of it at this level, it's the talent is spread very evenly. So you need to bring an extra dose of emotion. And 
to me, that's what's been on the field missing from this team. What happens during the week? I've learned great week of practice, great week of this, great week of that, or bad week of practice. It's, it's all irrelevant until you get to the game. And what's bothered me the most about this team is they just don't, I don't feel like they're playing that urgent football. Maybe that's a lack of confidence. Maybe that's born from a lack of confidence. But um, to answer your question, it's been a good week. And they're going to get Lane Johnson back. And they're going to get, they got Richard Rodgers back, who's third tight end can block for you on those short yardage situations. Look like you'll have Sidney Jones back. Sidney Jones week. will be in the lineup. But at the end of the day, they're going against a great football team. And they have to play not only their best game, they got to play beyond their best game and hope that the Saints don't play an A-level game. If the Saints play an A-level game, you know, they're going to be really hard to beat. You said that you you think that they're not you don't get the sense that they're I just don't feel it. Is, is it is it the hangover from the Super Bowl? I, I mean you're look, around, I, you're I around feel, these guys I've, all the time. I said this this week. I and I don't know you guys have kids, right? You have kids. Yeah. You have kids obviously. Are you the oldest kid? He's the we, only we kid. Have Jeff, we have Jeff's son, Alex, <laughs> so, here in the studio. So you, do you remember, Jeff, how you felt after Alex was born? Yes. Like for the next like four, five, six months? The yeah. The level of exhaustion that you felt? Mm-hmm. I still feel it. He's it's, 16. It, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's, there's, it's, when you win the Super Bowl, I've learned, it, you, are, you are in demand constantly, and you don't want to let people down. And you are pulled in many, many different directions. I can't even imagine what it's like for a player. And you become exhausted. You're just you, you, the, the off season's shorter. Your training is shorter. The the level of intensity from the opponent is greater. As we learn from Tennessee, after the Titans beat the Eagles, they were on the field doing their on field interviews, talking about beating the Super Bowl champions. And that's just the way it is. I, I just feel like this team emotionally it's been tough to get back up and I know there's been a lot of change on the roster but at key positions I look at the offensive line there's just a level of exhaustion there uh particularly Lane injury Lane and Jason yeah and I look at the injuries throughout the team which I think is residual from the long season the short off season I I I do think there's a hangover yeah I I do I think that I remember listening to Charlie Weiss former offensive coordinator of the Patriots, doing an interview, and he said after the Patriots won their first Super Bowl, they went 9-7, and seven, which for them is like a disaster. <laughs> and uh, they learned how to handle – they missed the playoffs. They learned how to handle being a Super Bowl champion. I think you have to learn how to handle being a Super Bowl champion. That said, I think the Eagles – it's going to take a lot. I still think they can get – capture the NFC East championship. I think that – boy, that lost Sunday was crushing – I mean, they were so for set lots up. of reasons. They were so Versus set the up to take. They were so set up to put themselves in a very in an A position in the NFC East, and they didn't take advantage of it. But I gotta believe that late in December, those games against the, the uh, Cowboys, Redskins, and then Redskins again will mean something. Yeah, you you would think that you know. Look, we can look at the record overall, and and that plays in in terms of the long term. If you go on the road and the play, but if you make it in, you're in, and you're so, in, and then anything can happen. And then so that's really how you have to look at it right now. Let's let's look at the Dallas game for a second. A yep. lot of struggles on offense in the first half. Yep, really seemed to start to click though in the second half. Defense just kind of couldn't hold it up. What did you see there? out of the offense in the second half that they found that they weren't doing in the first half of that game? They were protecting Carson. Carson was more accurate. I thought they played with a lot more um, energy. 
Um, I thought that they got the ball to Zach Ertz, obviously, a ton, probably too much. They hit the d- deep ball to Nelson Aguilar, and those those vertical passes, those explosive plays, you know, in today's NFL, as we saw last night, if you watch the Packers, it's just like you got to be hitting on those plays. And the Eagles have hit here and there, and their numbers are okay. And, you know, you can back up the, the statistics and this – um, but they they just they played with more precision in the past game, and I thought that it started at the line of scrimmage. Everything to me is as, as everything to me in the NFL is about quarterbacks, coaching, offensive line, defensive line, and the Eagles. That's the difference in this team in the game. They they did not win the offensive line in the first half. And then they did not win the defensive line in the second half. Well, and that's sort of what you saw on some of those drives late in the game. It was, you know, just coming right down the field. And the linebackers aren't playing well. They're not tackling well. So add it all up, the Cowboys had their way with the run game. You know, it's just here's the weird thing going back to the what's what's there's the hang on. You know, the, the thing last year was the, when the Eagles, when you felt that they were kind of seizing momentum of the game, they then put their foot down and stomped out the opponent. And this year, they let them hang around. They you know, even in Jack even against Jacksonville in London, double digit lead, Jacksonville comes down and score. Double digit lead, Jacksonville scores twice. You know, it's just like they haven't been able to handle any of the prosperity from these games. Well, the one thing that I've always noticed, we have a lot of offensive linemen for whatever reason on this show, <laughs> is that offensive linemen get charged up blocking for the run. They love just smashing people down and the Eagles have not been running the ball as much. And and does that impact? Sure. A little bit. I also think this though, offensive linemen also love quick strike plays, short drives and get off the field and let the defense do its thing. Eagles haven't had many of them. Every time the Eagles are scoring, it's like they're, they're working so hard to get points, long drives, time consuming drives, moving the chains, just, you know, the, the, to me in the NFL, you got to score. You get big chunks plays, big chunk plays. Got to get big. They had the one fifty-one yarder, which to is Nelson what the Aguilar. Saints do. Saints do it all the time, mm-hmm. and a lot of that's dump offs to the running backs, and the running backs make yards after the catch. Yeah. And Michael Thomas somehow is open all the time wide, but yeah, he the, never drops the ball. Yeah, the the uh, so yeah, I I listen. I I don't think the run game has been good this year. I don't think they've been dedicated to the run as much as they want to be. Um. Why are they not running the ball as well? Offensive line, yes, that's not been as good. Jay Ajayi not being there, that hurts. Not having Darren Sproles, that hurts. Not having that power running back in the red zone, that hurts. Combination of a lot of things. You think we're going to see a little more Josh Adams this week? It seems like they've they've started to give him a little more. What's a little more? What do you want? Well, I'm not. Eight uh, carries? They're, uh, they're going to have to keep up with this. Honestly, my, my bigger concern is is less about how many carries they get downfield and more when they're in protection of the quarterback because, you know, if you're keeping a running back in, you got to make sure that Wentz doesn't get hit. So I've worried more about the pressure that Wentz has gotten to not be able to find the guy downfield as opposed to how many handoffs there are in the game. It's more where the running backs are in the situation and the play that's concerned me at t- about uh, times. I, Josh is a really great story, and he's I think he's going to be a really nice player, and he's made some good strides. He's an unusual body, 6'2", 225, really tall for a running back. And I think he'll be a good back. I don't think right now he's real good in protection. Yeah. So if you're looking for him in pass pro, and that's I the, don't think that's the guy you want in pass That's pro. the concern with the balance you're trying yeah. to find. You want to, you know, you you bring in this weapon like Golden Tate, who you want to get the ball to. You got to give your quarterback time to get it. Now, 
Golden Tate's been here an extra week now, been able to work in. What do you expect to see out of him this week? Yeah, I mean, I would, I would expect, I would certainly hope that he's more involved in the offense. He only played 19 snaps last week. Uh, four targets, I believe. That's, that was surprising to a lot of people uh, yeah. on the outside. He's got to learn the was, offense, so I don't yeah. know how long it takes to learn. Now, I don't know what Amari Cooper played last week for Dallas. It was a lot more than 19 snaps, and he got targeted a few times, but um, not a ton. I kind of thought that Golden would come in here, and they would find all these creative ways to get him the football. Maybe I thought that was going to happen a lot sooner than is realistic. I do think he'll play more against the Saints. I think they'll move him around the formation a bit. And he should get some targets. At the expense of whom? If it's at the expense of Dallas Goddard, you know, that's a tough one. He's a really good player and he creates a lot of good matchups. If it's the expense at the expense of a running back, okay. Then you gotta find a way to protect. If it's empty backfield, then they're gonna blitz Carson. Um, but let's just say this. I think that I mean, I I actually thought that Golden Tate would get ten touches last week. He got two, I think. That's what I thought he'd get, and I have him in my fantasy league. Yeah, and so <laughs> it speaks to an offense that didn't stay on the field in the first half, and then an offense that had packages in the second half that didn't that Golden hadn't become familiar with. On the defensive side, we talked a little bit about injuries before. Obviously, Derek Barnett's out now. Maybe Timmy Jernigan potentially he won't coming play back. This week, no. He won't play this week. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you see on that interior line? That I don't just think ha- they just haven't been able to get. You know, they got a lot of pressure. Michael Bennett was was all over Dak Prescott. That yeah. one hit was brutal. Fletcher Cox has been there, but ultimately they haven't been able to get home at times, leaving in the secondary your guys with all these injuries who just aren't there to do yeah. it. I hey, mean, here's the thing, though. I mean, you can beat your offensive lineman. Drew Brees gets the ball out so fast. I don't I don't know how the Eagles are going to get home this week. I, I don't. And every team does that. Your cornerbacks have to be better. And that you got to give the defensive line time to get to the quarterback. Now, the only game that I can really think of where the Eagles' D-line didn't step up as much as I wanted would have been Tampa Bay because Tampa Bay held the ball a little bit. But then late in the game when Tampa Bay needed to get the ball out, Fitzmagic got it out got quickly it out. against Jalen Mills, first down, first down, game over. Um, for the most part, I think the pass rush has been okay. I think Brandon Graham, the fact that he hasn't been healthy really until last week was a, was a big setback. I think last year the Eagles had two players who dominated, Fletcher and Graham. And they forced offensive pass protection to double those two players a lot and you know Fletch was very quiet on Sunday against the Cowboys and has been quiet throughout the season so I'm not sure and Brandon is just now getting back to health I'm not sure how much those guys are demanding double teams I'm sure Fletcher is I'm not sure how much Brandon has been and without a second double team you can always I remember uh, Marty Morningwake told me this because it's easy to take out one pass rusher one dominant defensive lineman. Where you run into trouble is when you have two and three and four. And that was the Giants' formula when they won the Super Bowl. That's what the Rams are trying to do this year with their multiple pass rush players. That's why they've invested so much in Sue and they made the trade for Dante Fowler and they've already got, you know, uh, Brackers and uh, Brackers and what's the uh, Aaron Donald and whoever else they line up. So the Eagles just ha- they haven't gotten it from multiple sources on a consistent basis up front. So even if they get the the rush, who's going to be guarding all these weapons? I mean, who, you know, I are they going to dedicate Jeff, somebody it's, it's to Michael all, Thomas? It's, all, it's been it's like I forget the percentage of of throws to Michael Thomas, but it's like a very high percentage of yeah. throws to Michael Thomas, Kamara, and Ingram. Yeah, Kamara, 
And so there's not, so you got it like to me, the linebackers are really critical here in coverage against, unless, unless Jim takes linebackers off the field and puts in, well, I don't know who he's going to put in because Jalen Mills won't play. Uh, Chandon Sullivan, I'm not sure what he is. He's so young and doesn't know if the ball's, you know, blown up or stuffed at the NFL level yet. He's so new to this thing. The safeties are not, they don't run as well. I, I don't know. I don't know. What the, it's nobody's been able to figure out the Saints. It's a tough matchup, they, particularly they, for a team that's that's yeah. got such challenges in the secondary. Yeah, now you, you hope that New Orleans isn't as hot this week as they've been every week. They're so on point. They've got a Thursday night game against the Falcons, big rivalry game. Uh, you hope that the Eagles can get out and take a lead. Maybe you get a couple hits on Breeze, rattle him a bit. But guys throwing one interception, 21 touchdown passes. They score .61 points per drive. They've punted 19 times. In nine games, poor punter. It's pretty, pretty great drop. <laughs> Better than, right, he gets paid almost, to not do anything. Almost as good you as a third string quarterback. Yeah, yeah. he's having. Yeah. A, uh, this season has been interesting. You kind of don't know what to expect from the NFL from week to week. You think you know, and you know, you expect points. Uh, yeah, that's that's what you expect. And so Jeff and I had this debate a lot before the the trade deadline because I wanted to try and see if they could get some more depth in the secondary. Obviously, that's hard to get this time of year. Jeff wanted a running back because he, you know, he wants to put more points up on the offense. Ultimately, I, I like the I want more trade. balance. I as yeah. did he, but you know, you make a good point. Is it is it that the offense the offense is definitely scoring less than they were last year as opposed to what the defense is doing? If you were to rank it, what's the thing that's been the biggest problem for the offense team? or defense? Yeah, offense to me. Because last year, they had, when, when Carson was healthy last year, they averaged 33 points a game. And they scored points early in the game. And they, that changes everything. Teams were chasing the Eagles. And so this year, the Eagles have been shut out in, I believe, seven of nine first quarters. And they've scored like some 21 points in, in the first quarter of games. 20 points, something like that. And last year, they scored, I believe it was 105 points in the first quarter of games. So they had leads. And then when you have leads, other teams have to throw the ball. When the other teams have to throw the ball, you can you can align your defense to attack, sick them, go get the football. They, they took the football away 31 times. They've only had, I think, six takeaways this year. So to me, it starts with the offense. Yeah, it's kind of a, it's kind of across the board when you go when you start to lay out the stats. Yeah, you can't really pick one area and say this is what is the cause of this. It's right been now. a lot of things. It's been the energy, the injuries. You don't have your quarterback for the first two games. You don't have your wide receiver for the first three games. You haven't had Jay Ajayi for several games. You hadn't haven't had Darren Sproles for since game one last year. While the injuries were very significant, and I don't want to downplay this, they were just different. It was a left tackle. It was a middle linebacker. It was a kicker. Starting quarterback. And it was a quarterback late in the season yeah. after you'd already established your mojo. But it was like five positions. This year it's been your wide receivers, your running backs. I mean, really, your quarterback missed two games. But we'll, we won't say that. We won't say offensive line, even though they haven't had the same five. It's been D-line. It's been cornerback. And it's been safety. It's been everything. How do you, how do you overcome that? The Eagles haven't been able to. Well, so you know, you're without you're speechless, Jeff. Uh, it it's frustrating. It, it, you want you want to see them succeed. They did so well last year. I mean, Jason and I were talking before the show, and one thing I said to him is, is to me, the defense isn't the biggest problem because last year they gave up a record number of yards in the Super Bowl and won. Yeah, and, and, and but they made the play at the end of the game, right? When they, when yeah. they needed. Exactly, and, and you're not getting that. 
this season. Like, yeah. like uh, last season, you felt if you got to the fourth quarter with something that they were going to make that play. Yeah, right. They were going to put but their foot on their throat. This why, season, exactly. I actually feel the exact opposite. When they get the ball back, it's like, oh, no, what's going to happen they, they, now? This team, I think Aaron Rodgers said it. Oh, what was the exact quote last night? Something about we're looking for something to uh, create our identity. Whatever it was, that's the paraphrase. Well, for them, it's going to be a new coach. It's the same thing, but like for the Eagles, there's no identity on this but that, team yet. That would that was going to be my question. Last year, the identity they they embraced the underdog role late in the season. Late they weren't the underdogs, season, but they weren't underdogs all year. They were underdogs only. Pardon me in the playoffs, and by then, they had when you win, 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 win. Everybody's there's just a, a chemistry and a. A mojo created. The Eagles haven't come close to that yet. What's the identity? Who's the leader? Yeah, I was gonna say who's the leader. Oh, What's Malcolm is a great leader. Yeah, Carson's a leader. Chris Long's a leader. Fletch is a leader. I mean, they have they have their captains. What's Jason the, Peters what's is a leader. What's the identity of the team? Though? I don't know. You know, they're not a they're not they're a punch a, you in the mouth run game. They're, they're a four not... and five scuffling team. Yeah, they're four, that's their identity right now. But you still have some of the best fans, and you were telling me before we fans. started about your trip to London. Oh, it was cool. We <laughs> we uh, so I got over there on Wednesday, part of the advance team. We had a bunch of pep rallies and get everybody together. There were thousands and thousands of fans from the Philadelphia area, but there were also a lot of fans from around the country, and then f- from across the country and around the world. And I there was this one guy that I met, um, who Justin from the Philippines, who the game started at two o'clock in the morning there, thirty one year old guy. He sits in front of his computer. There's no video. He refreshes the screen. Oh, I can't. I can't imagine. And that. just reads the description of the play. <laughs> How cool is that? He, he's just looking at that little green map. Yeah, the line just going the on the field with the play over and over again. Oh, I cannot imagine. That's dedication, that. Jeff. Yeah, you wouldn't do that. No, no, you're not that uh-huh. dedicated. Yeah. I, you know, there are times when I have my laptop open if I'm watching another game where I'll have that there. So I can watch as the, as the game progresses, but it's not going to be my primary <laughs> mode of entertainment. If you love the Eagles and you don't have video, what that's, are you doing? That's right. He's got to find a way to get video. What was it like to play over there in that atmosphere, though? Get the the, <laughs> the Philippines. I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what, don't know what yeah. Jeff's uh, Jeff's like. Uh, wait, wait. You're telling there's me there's got to be a way to get it. He a doesn't game. have high speed internet. There? Yeah. yeah. Come, come on. I Jeff. don't know. Yeah, he still got. Jeff, the, he's still got AOL. Jeff's asking that question. Yeah, Jeff's yeah, asking that question after joining some people from the NFL Alumni Association Philly and sleeping out for homelessness last night. Oh yeah, how, how'd that house. go? So picked a great night. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm a little tired. and I'm drying off. Well, it was a very a very admirable. Endeavor. Thank you. I, it, I it commend was, you. It, it was an amazing thing to to be a part of. And, it really and makes you appreciate how bad it is out there. It, how tough it is out there. It, it really is. And, and for for young kids, this is this was for youth homelessness. And the fact that you know, I knew that when this was over, I could go home and take a hot shower. These kids have to find some place tomorrow night. And and it's just it's baffling to see that a city of this size and cities all over the country can't find ways to take in these kids. So, uh, we're it's a deeper conversation yeah. than, than uh-huh. here. Yeah. yeah, and and look, we should credit the organization for for what the team does in terms of their giving back to the community. Yeah, whether it's the players or the team, and that you know that's kind of you know we like to do. Well, that what on we the do show. off the field is far greater than than, than winning football games. Although yeah. I I contend that winning the Super Bowl for several weeks anyway, several months really changed Philadelphia, the mood in this region without a doubt. 
And even even now, as we even made it a little soft. Even now, as fr- as frustrated as people are, mm-hmm. they're a little more forgiving. You haven't suffered enough. <laughs> We've suffered our entire lives <laughs> waiting for the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. Yeah, you can't use that anymore. Look, yeah. I, I I had my son with me when the Phillies won the World Series. We were actually at the game. Spoiled kid. And, and I turned to him. Championships and, every and I, and I six said, years. Yeah, and I said, soak this Ten in years. because this doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> and then the next year. They go back to the World Series, and he said, "What are you talking about? They went back. They're back in the World Series again." I'm like, "Look, this, it's not always like this." Well, and that the, the, growing up a kid in in this generation in Philadelphia has been a lot other, a lot better than most generations. Yeah, look. I, well, I don't know. You know those those years from 2000 and like 11 to 2000 and what 16 or so. Yeah. They were rough, tough years. They were. They so were, if you're a 16 year old kid, you know yeah. that's that's those are formative. Sports loving seasons from yeah, 11, but that formative 11, time ended with the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean, which, yeah, no, I was which like nobody said, yeah. else in yeah. the yeah. city ever saw. It's no. funny though. I was thinking the other day. They used to say like when you, when we hadn't won it, it had been so long. Like, what would you give for a Super Bowl? Would yeah. you give the team being bad for the next ten years for that one Super yeah, Bowl? And people are like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah where I'll do I sign and up? Then, and then next season you come back, and all of a sudden you have some struggles. Yeah, and four and five, and it's and fire, Doug Peterson, booing at yeah. halftime. Yeah. So let's looking forward with the rest of the season. Obviously, New Orleans this this weekend. They do have a pretty tough schedule. I think five or six of the seven are, are first place teams in their divisions. Um, granted, one of them is Washington in the NFC East, and they have significant injuries yeah. in terms of their offensive line they basically lost that, a whole old line Jason, that's why that's why losing on sunday night was such a crusher because yes. the eagles had I mean, they got to 13 13 20 it would have been one game back one game yep. back yeah. two games against the redskins doing well in the division yeah two and oh in the division i mean just a just a crushing and we'll see i mean I, every time you every week every week it's, we're saying this and we'll see how the team responds to it you know it it's um it's to me you you need to play with that level of urgency from from week one. Now, sometimes you just don't have that. And but the Eagles had chances to bank victories against a Tampa Bay team that is fraudulent, a Tennessee team that they led seventeen to three, and a Carolina team that they had a seventeen nothing lead on seventeen three that they had three fourth down. They only lost overtime. by two points yeah. to Minnesota. Yeah, and Minnesota well, has yeah, turned out was, not but, to be that good. But this that was year. a late touchdown too that the Eagles right. scored to close the gap, and. Um, I think the Eagles have seven points or less. That's five losses, most in the NFL. And but so you spin it that way. You spin it, you go, well, they're really close. But, but people in the – we all are, were so used to seeing dominance last year that we thought that that was going to be, quote, the new norm. The new norm turns out to be the same angst. Yeah, but, but it's still in their hands. Yeah. I mean, that's what's amazing. They're four and five, but they, they still have to play the Giants, who stink. They have to play the Redskins yeah, see, twice. I, I think the Giants are a tricky matchup with that passing game. Well, it depends on which Beckham you get showing up. Yeah, that's well, first of all, yeah. and and which Eli. Yeah, I mean, I'd like uh, the I'd like the sad Eli face guy to show up personally, yeah. but that's <laughs> just that's just me. And you got two games against Washington. Yeah, and you so. got you got Houston at home. Yep. So and you got Dallas on the road. The Eagles are very successful there. There's no question. No matter what happens this weekend, it's still there for the Eagles. And I'm going with the premise that. Washington will struggle this week against Houston, and Dallas plays at Atlanta, and that's a tough tough win for the Cowboys. And Dallas is coming off a, a big high, so it's kind of a trap game for them, you hope, in, in terms of that. It, the the season obviously hasn't gone the way that the team has hoped, but, mm-hmm. but you have the opportunity left. How do you balance the you're, you're the Super Bowl 
champions with you're a four and five team now if you're this yeah team. but you're not you don't you're not really, super bowl no, champions super, anymore. you are right? super bowl champions but you're not that's not it's what it's a what have you done for me late, lately league and it's over it's it's it, we yeah. all feel great deep 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 down inside of that accomplishment but the 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 object is to win now and the eagles were aggressive in the offseason and they set up the roster and honestly on paper and i said it at the time that was the best roster that i had seen and that just hasn't you know, come to fruition in terms of wins and losses. So what's happened in the past is nice and everything, and we walk past the Lombardi Trophy every day, and you still get chills, and you still have your ring. You still and... got the ring, but you know you got to win, and it's it's not about what happened last year. You don't rest on your laurels in anything in life. Well, before we let you, well, especially I mean, football is such a short career for most of these guys. Yeah. So you can't. You and it's can't such take an intense. And it's fortunately in this market, it's such an, fans are so intense about it. Mm-hmm. And we're very thankful for that. And by the way, to answer your question, what was it like to play in London? It was a cool environment. It was um, lively. It was a lot of interactivity, a lot of jerseys from every team. A lot of people really um, appreciated being at an NFL game. Are they football fans there? Are they there for the spectacle? No, they were football fans. They're football Yeah, they know the game. Yeah. Is that something? Did you see the impact on the team? They always talk about the travel over there. Obviously, they had the bye week coming back. Uh, is that something that you think is you know will hurt in the future? I don't think I don't think I don't I don't think logistically you can have a team in the NFL play as a, as London is your home base. And here's an example, and this may sound like an absolutely asinine example, but I'll give you the example. After a game, teams get a police escort out of the stadium to the airport. Now, you can argue about the how you know extravagant that is or how necessary that is, but in terms of uh, efficiency and travel. It's extremely necessary. In London, the only police escort is for the Queen. <laughs> so we left Wembley, and it took us like an hour and a half plus to get to the airport. Then you have to go through customs, and then you go. The travel back and forth is it's prohibitive. I, I just I don't see it happening. It was cool over there. It was a fun visit. Great vacation. Wouldn't want to have to do it eight times a year. Well, this week you're headed to New Orleans. We won't ask you to make a prediction. I predict that the Eagles will, will play a really good game, and I predict that they will have a chance to to win the game, and we'll see if they can handle prosperity. But it will ha- it will take them playing an A plus game, hoping that they can force the Saints into playing a B B minus game. More importantly, where are you going to eat? You know the food down there is so rich for me. I can't yeah. like I, I can't handle all the creams and all that. Well, we're going to nice. so. we're going to have get, beignets yeah. at, at Cafe Du Monde on Sunday. We're going to get go. Dave's menu in the future for that. We're going <laughs> to that's going to be the last word. I mean, Thank, you don't want to hear it right now, Jason. I would love to, but my producer would kill me so, for going over. Yeah. So make sure to join us next Friday night as we help you start your weekend in style. Have a great one, and thanks, thanks for joining guys. us. My Talk pleasure, to you next guys. Bye bye. I'm Jay Farner, CEO of.